0: Mutuma Matthew, Group Editorial Director for the Nation Media Group in Kenya, is in the pod. So I was back home in Kenya in October and I read this article in the Nation newspaper titled, Though they gang up against it, Kenyan media will thrive. So I reached out to Mutuma to talk about his optimism. I started by asking him about the challenges the Kenyan media was facing.
1: Kenyan media today is in a state of great distress and that uh, the space uh, to express ourselves and uh, to practice our craft is uh, smaller than it's been for, uh, for a long time. Uh, I think it, it, it appears that um, both the state and other people uh, have discovered that the easiest way to apply pressure on the media is uh, by attacking our economic foundations therefore there is a lot of withholding of uh, advertising uh, in order to force uh, the media to comply and I think the biggest culprit in this case is the government which through its uh, its uh, advertising agency has unsuccessfully been trying to link uh, advertising to coverage uh, and uh, I am convinced that the media will succeed uh, because in the fullness of time the advertising model is not going to survive anyway, not in its current state. To be in business, in
0: this case advertising, if that is being withdrawn or being withheld, then it means that you have
1: to adjust
0: editorially. Uh,
1: Not really, not really because uh, fortunately we, we get business both from the government, and uh And the private sector uh, and for us the nation is fortunate that we are not entirely dependent on, on government. Uh, I think last year most of last year we did not accept advertising from the government oh, that's and interesting. Though, uh, and though we we went through difficult times um, we were able to survive. The ideal situation is of course where the government would delink advertising from. Uh, from the news, and where we are allowed to freely uh, report the news without being punished uh, through this withholding of advertising. That would be the ideal situation. Uh, they still hope that maybe that might happen, but even if it doesn't happen, I'm confident that the Kenyan media will survive even with those limitations that are being placed on its, uh, on its path. So you
0: think there's a big market for even your competitors to
1: survive without the government? There's a lot of money uh, in the private sector, fortunately. I think it should be able to go around and, um, and uh, sustain uh, the entire industry. However, that depends uh, on the quality of the products that, that that you're putting in the market. If your products are not good, then the private sector is more discerning. Uh, they are more, more questioning about the value that they are getting for, for what they spend with you. Uh, so if your products are not very competitive, then then probably you might struggle.
0: I remember somebody telling me that, uh, you know, we were just talking about uh, the future of journalism and the challenges that journalism was facing, and uh, he told me something that I'd never thought about. He was saying, you guys are in the information space and businesses thrive and uh, depend on that information so you know you will be in business so you know you ta- saying that uh, you know the private sector pretty much will still be interested in, in funding journalism uh, then that's really interesting but this it's, it's a different kind of pressure as well because you have talked about government but the public sector sector as well has its own uh, pressure so have you been facing
1: that as well from the private sector the pri- private sector people um, rarely um, I think you might find one or two, uh, fortunately because these are commercial decisions, these are not uh, political decisions uh, and therefore you tend to, to see more reason in the, in the private sector. Reason most times prevails, um, I think it's only a very uh, rare person who will uh, uh, stop advertising for any length of time in the private sector, in the hope of uh, preventing the media from reporting the news, uh, because doing so would hurt the media and the business in question. Yeah. And
0: so we've talked about you know the challenges from the government and, and businesses. What are the other challenges
1: that uh, the national media group is facing? Uh, I think, like uh, like all media in the world today. Uh, the most serious challenge to the, to legacy uh, media is the whole que- question of trust. And uh, this is basically because of the explosion of various sources of uh, information. And I think audiences all over have been slow in making the determination uh, as to what is credible and what isn't. Uh, disinformation and fake news is sophisticated even journalists themselves uh, many times fall victim to, to this uh, and therefore the whole question of the traditional trust that people have invested in the media has been undermined and I think um, the media on their part have been been slow in responding to that reality but now I think we are more alive to it and uh, the measures that we are taking uh, are all geared to reassuring uh, both traditional audiences and the younger folks that uh, that not everybody in the digital space is is giving them uh, accurate. Uh, but but how how did they, I, I just
0: just thinking there? I mean, with the diversity of information and all the distraction that there is uh, brought about by the internet you'd have thought that the media, having been in the, in this game for a long time, uh, the legacy media, then they will thrive uh, in, in a space where there are all these contradictions and you know misinformation, disinformation. The people at that point be saying, you know what, there's this tried and tested source and that's where we will go for our news. So why is the media struggling?
1: Uh, the, in this the space? Like, like I said, the audience, the people, the consumer has taken time adjust uh, it's not very easy for the ordinary person to tell what is and what isn't true. I mean even in the sophisticated markets like the US where you find that people talking about alternative facts and alternative reality and don't believe what you see with your own eyes and you you find that there are actually people who don't believe what they see with their own eyes. So, so I, I know, in the fullness of time, people will be able to figure out that this is a credible source and this isn't a credible source. Mm. Uh, but it has taken time for the audiences to catch on. But not everything that you read on the internet uh, is true. And and how do you build that trust apart from just reporting the truth? Um, there are measures uh, that we can take. One. Is to make sure that we establish in the mind of the audience uh, the fact that our journalists and, like all these other people that you have uh, online, that our journalists are truth seekers, that they are trained, that they are experts in the fields uh, in which they report. If it's a business reporter, we make it quite clear that this is this is a person who understands uh, what what they are what they are reporting. The other one is to make our process. Uh, transparent so that people see how we gather the facts, how we evaluate, how we check, and how we confirm the facts uh, as a way of building uh, of, uh, confidence. The other one is to try and establish strong relationships uh, between ourselves and the people who consume our products uh, so that they know um, the purpose for which we exist um, and the lengths to which we go to to keep to our values um, and, and one being uh, basically to provide as accurate information uh, as reasonably possible now the, the nation media group is a multimedia
0: operation um i guess what i'm getting at with this is you've been in the business for about 60 years now uh, who are your underserved audiences and how what are you doing to reach them
1: The people that we reach least as a demographic are the youth. And by this I mean people who are 25 years and younger. Um, And the reason why we have not been very successful in terms of engaging them is that uh, the platforms where they consume uh, are spaces where we are not as strongly represented uh, as we are in the traditional uh, media. Uh, the way young people consume information is totally different, totally, totally different um, uh, from the way me- uh, information has traditionally been consumed. And um, it's consumption that is is anti-institutional. Young people are instinctively distrustful of authority and of, institu- of institutions. So they get their news from, from uh, influencers uh, and from all manner of other sources. I think the challenge for us is to find a way of credibly being in those spaces. And so you would
0: rather go into the spaces rather than trying to draw them out to come to your platforms?
1: Uh, I don't know whether anyone can confidently say that young people will ever go back to the traditional uh, platforms because the way they consume information is, is, is not compatible with traditional platforms. For example, um, uh, traditional instruments are one-stop shops, you see, you, this, you, know, you go and get a, sto- a long story together with all the things that go with it and you read it in one place. Now that's not the way young people consume information, mm-hmm. the same story, you will read the same story in, from a variety of sources, small bits from subgroups, groups, from, from Twitter and all that, and then they compile uh, the full picture from that. That is totally different from, like I said, from the way traditionally we have imparted information.
0: And I mean, th- there is the reach, uh, but then there is also the uh, you know the monetization of um, uh, of the platforms and you know advertising and targeting them with uh, um, you know trying to draw them out and maybe get them to pay for news. I mean, is, is that something that you've also thought about about whether that's the strategy that you want to do in monitor, monetize, monetizing in those spaces or rather uh, trying to find models that can yes, you're distributing your content there,
1: but then you can also make that. Mm, there's a degree of experimentation, uh, you know, in that direction. We are experimenting with the different types of uh, different formats. I am um, not a great believer in uh, digital advertising. I don't think it's a durable, in its current form, it's not a sustainable way of uh, financing media operations. I'm a, I'm, I believe more in paid content. Because where content is paid for, mm-hmm. then the entire focus of media companies is on the quality of that story, because that become that is a product. You see. That's it is a product. Um, so all this time, is there is there
0: like an example of a publication that you probably think? Uh, you know, anywhere in the world that's probably doing something similar to what you think is the idea. Oh
1: yes, oh yes, oh yes. There are many examples in the world today. The most uh, glaring is the New York Times. I think uh, they now have four million purely digital subscri- subscribers and they're just selling stories. So that's an arrangement that is made in heaven. There are others who are using different means um, of. of again relying on the story and raising money. Maybe by asking people to contribute a little money. The Guardian and the membership. Yes, 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 yes. So the future, the future is where the story becomes the product. And therefore, the entire uh, energy and the creativity of the organization is focused on telling a better story and serving the audience better. That's the future.
0: And and it's kind of related to my next question about... This article that I referred to earlier, you talked about uh, free news being very expensive, damaging, and bad for everyone concerned. Can you just a little bit expound on that?
1: The reality, the reality, both of, of in the digital world and in the, in, uh, in 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 whatever, is that if you are not paying for what you are consuming, then you are the product you say um, because at the end of the day somebody must be paying for that story. Uh, I don't think there is a business enterprise where people wake up in the morning to go and do things for free but somebody must pay for the party
0: okay.
1: so the question that people should be asking themselves is then who is paying for the for this party and you find that uh, you know people are aggregated and sold or the story is contaminated in some way. Uh, Somebody must have paid for that story. And uh, and they must have paid for that story for a purpose. So for news to be objective and completely disinterested, then it is up to the reader to pay for it. Just like they do today in the case of newspapers. You see, that is the best way of granting that the news... Remains uh, uh, truthful and objective. Okay. So, so, in your article, you
0: you said that, that journalism is least underst- uh, understood and appreciated by politicians and and the people you call empowered millennials. Do you think the media has played a part into that state of affairs where people just don't appreciate the media or don't even understand what?
1: Channelism is all about? Uh, There are two pieces to that. One is the society, the way we bring up our children and the way we educate them. We don't teach them um, everything that they need to know about how life functions. So we haven't put a lot of emphasis in terms of training people to appreciate uh, democracy and its various pieces, the pieces that go to to, to, to make it work. And it's not just among only among young people. I'm sure there are many uh, older politicians and people of all persuasions who don't quite understand the theory of democracy. So there is an education part of it and there is a societal neglect uh, part of it. Uh, the other one is that traditionally journalists uh, uh, raised and trained to believe that it is shameful Uh, for them. It's an embarrassing thing thing for them to come in the way of the story. So the media does not explain itself, traditionally. It doesn't explain itself. It doesn't like focusing attention on itself. Uh, And journalists believe that they don't exist to report themselves. But at some point, I think we have to take the responsibility to explain to people what it is that we do, what it is that our that our uh, profession is supposed to achieve. I think I agree with you there.
0: <laughs> you know, you were really optimistic about the future of uh, the Kenyan media, and you even compared what's happening to the West and saying, you know, for now, I'm paraphrasing here, you were kind of just saying, yes, the West, newsrooms are closing, journalists are losing their jobs, but, in the, as far as the Kenyan media is concerned, we, you're saying the urgency is not is not as much as you're seeing in, in the Western world. So why why is that the case?
1: Um, well, the urgency is is there. Probably we do not have um, there's a crisis. I mean, you know, we need to change and we need to change uh, very quickly. But I think there is still residual value in traditional media. And then the structure of our society, especially the level of uh, mobile penetration, that's number one. Number two, um, the ubiquity of mobile payments. I think it makes it a lot easier for us to innovate and to do products that can reach people quickly. So you you think the market is uh, familiar with uh, The market is familiar with all the pieces that we need to build um, a successful uh, mobile business. Uh, platform
0: Interesting. Now, uh, kind of my last question actually is: a few months ago, you, uh, the Nation Media Group, did a five-part series about the Nairobi River. Um, in my view, it was well researched uh, and reported. Uh, could you tell me what the goal was uh, for the series and what was the impact, or
1: what, how was it received? Um, I, I would say it was received very well. Uh, I think we did the series which was ex- expensive, quite expensive actually, probably the most expensive story we've done in the year because that's part of our job, to positively influence society. That's, that's the purpose for which we were set up 60 years ago. Uh, and this is an issue that we wanted to flag because it is an issue of utmost importance that for a country that is increasingly water poor, um, there wasn't, there isn't too much focus on ensuring that the cities are not poisoning the people downstream. Now, after doing that story, after testing the rivers at various points, uh, especially the ones that uh, pass through the city of Nairobi, we have now gone to other rivers and the smaller cities up country, and the research is going on. But we just wanted to flag an issue that we thought was very important and that required urgent action. And uh, interestingly, the data that we came up with, the findings, um, were provided information that even the government didn't have, uh, both the national government and the county government. And we are now thinking of ways of reducing uh, that the data into information that the government and both at the national and the county level can use for for policy decisions. So there's a dissemination phase that we are planning.
0: And what how, how about your readers and you know listeners and and the people who watch the reports on TV? I mean, what
1: was their reaction? It was a it was a very compelling story for them, and a lot of people are interested. Uh, the interest is actually still there people are still looking at it online um, and uh, this is an issue that directly affects their own lives uh, and they also wanted to know whether there is something that they can do uh, to 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 stay safe Uh, you're just uh,
0: saying how uh, you know just the amount of resources that uh national media group threw into this reporting the impact that came out of it and the reaction from the public there is always this conversation about why don't we see more of that reporting instead of the political. But I'm I'm Mm -hmm. sure there are people who will be listening and be like,
1: okay, that was amazing. But why why are we not seeing more of the same? That particular report was a little bit more expensive than the ordinary story. Um, The truth of the matter is that probably it might not be possible uh, financially. To only report that kind of thing. On the other hand, the temptation most times is uh, to have, is to have uh, politics. You know, because it doesn't cost a lot of money to go and interview a politician. Um, is to do that, and then you find that your, the other important issues are not being covered. I think the trick is to strike a balance uh, within the resources that we have to make sure that the issues of public health. Uh, issues of climate, issues of uh, security and safety and all that which might take a little bit more money and effort uh, to do, uh, are also given due attention. Now we have many long-term projects that are in the works that have taken months to do. Um, uh, we are doing one now on cattle rustling in the refugee valley, uh, we are doing others on uh, crime. Uh, and drugs and all that um, but on the other hand these ones take time four months will produce maybe one report uh, therefore you would expect that the population of those kinds of stories to be slightly lower than the, the normal diary stuff which we uh, get on a regular daily basis
0: Mutuma Matthew, Group Editorial Director for the Nation Media Group in Kenya As always, for any comments or feedback, I'm on Twitter at Dickens Olewe. Until next time, bye-bye.